Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we're continuing our study in the book of Acts, and we've come to Acts 4, 32. Begins here by saying, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. I'll just stop in there for a moment. You, you, you see this great work that is taking place within the church. This awesome work of the Holy Spirit in, in, in the lives of people, and people are coming to faith in Christ. You see this incredible work that's taking place where literally thousands of people are coming to faith in Christ. And we're told here, as, as, as the Holy Spirit's inspiring this to be written, we, we, we get just a description of the church. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. There is this unity that is there within the church. A unity that's there where one heart, one soul, that's how the Holy Spirit described the church at this particular time. They're united. There's persecution that has come against the church, and that persecution's going to grow. But you see within the, the body here is, there is this, this tightness of community that is there, a oneness that is there. I pray for that for us as a church. It's not something that can be manufactured by us. If it was if something that could happen, we would do everything we could to make that take place. But it's a work of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. We live in a time in which church has just changed in many different ways, hasn't it? I mean, you go across the nation and you look at churches, you look at the way people do church, and it's, it's changed in many, many ways. Um, you, you have congregations which, um, there, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, and, and yet some people, they, they, they don't know anybody there, or very few people there, or no one knows whether they've come or whether they're not there, and People have gifts, and they've all been entrusted with certain gifts, but they don't use it within the rest of the body. And don't think that even in a smaller congregation like ours, that that does not take place as well, where you're used to that. You're, just, you're used to just doing church. You go, you sit, you do your thing, you leave. You don't think about it till the next week. And yet, that's not how this living organism is supposed to be. It's supposed to be such that we're we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're we're in such a place that 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 we are members one to another. God, the Holy Spirit, puts us together for a specific purpose, and it matters. I mean, the, the description there is we are the body, and we don't all serve the same function, but we depend upon one another. We need one another. If you've ever slammed your finger in the door or hit it with a hammer, or something along those lines, you know that every part of the rest of your body is very concerned about that finger. It does what, I mean, I, I, I just, I've done it where you, you, you slam your finger, or you hit it with a hammer, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, like, it, it, whatever it takes, like, when's it going to stop, when's it going to stop, make it stop, you know, like, your brain is like, 
water, ice, you know, pain medication, whatever it takes to make it so that that stops as quickly as it possibly can. And that's how the body's supposed to be. Serving one another, encouraging one another, using what God's given to us for that, but being united in it. There's this unity that is here within us because every one of us, through faith in Christ, have been brought into his kingdom. We've, we've had our sins removed through the work of Christ upon the cross, his death and his resurrection and our faith in him to where we're new creations in Christ. The, the old person that was there before has been put to death and you've been made a new creation in Christ. There's this unity that's within us because we all have the Holy Spirit resident in us. He's working in us. He's working through us. He gifts us in all different kinds of ways for what he says is the building up of the body to encourage one another. And that's how we have been placed. That's how we function. That's how we are to be. And there is unity that's there, but that unity within this particular church is going to work mightily to minister one to another, as we'll see. So there, those who have believed, and they're of one heart and one soul, and neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now, th- th- this is something that's used frequently towards promoting communist thought and all kinds of other things that's that's not the point of this text communism you're forced to give what you have to everybody else that's not what's taking place people own stuff here but they're joyfully looking at one another and saying i don't i don't need that i can give that to to someone that's in need i can i can joyfully bless those that are around me in, in, in whatever way I possibly can, and this is what's, what's taking place. They're looking at one another. They're seeing the needs of one another, and they're saying, like, how can I help? What can I do? And, and we're seeing that take place here. But it's done joyfully, and it's done willingly, and it's done to be a blessing. This isn't obligatory. This isn't something where it's just like, all right, I'll give you all my stuff too. Take it. It's just looking at one another and saying, like, hey, that, those guys have need. I, I don't need this. This will help them get through this. And it's just a heart that says, like, how can we bless one another? And that's what we find here. Verse 33 says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. What an awesome couple verses there. You you have within the church those, the apostles that are giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it tells us that it is with great power that this is taking place. Where does that power come from? From no other place than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's working in the hearts of these people, and they are proclaiming the gospel, and with great power. The gospel is being presented, lives are being changed. People are coming to know Christ because they're saying he has risen from the dead. It's fixed upon that particular point. We know without a doubt that he's risen from the dead. And we as a congregation can have that same great power as the Holy Spirit works in us to where we're able to go to people and say, this, he rose again from the dead. 
If there's any question of whether he rose again from the dead, look at the, the historicity of it throughout Scripture. You see him appear to the disciples. You see him appear to the, all those who were believers. Or you see him appear to, to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at one time. These people are dying for their faith in Christ. These people who, who once were so weak and denying Christ are all leaving him at the cross. They're all being put to death for their faith in Christ and it's because they, they know that he's risen again from the dead. And so we see this to where there's this great evidence. I, I just scratched the surface, but there's, there's books like by Josh McDowell called The Resurrection Factor and other books that you could read like that. that just, it just lays out all the evidence of the resurrection to where it's amazing to be able to look and, and, and to be able to see, like, without a doubt, he's risen again from the dead. But with great power, they're giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. The grace of God's coming upon them all. There's faith in Christ and his death and in his resurrection. And the Lord is working mightily through this church. Nor was there anyone, verse 34, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one as anyone had need. This is what's taking place in the hearts of the early church. No one lacked anything. They're looking at one another and saying, like, okay, there, there's great need there. I can, I can sell what I have. I'll, I'll give towards them. I'll take it. I, I'll just put it at the apostles' feet. Just, just use it. However you want, use it. This is not a sermon to, to, to tell us, like, let's do some kind of communal living and sell everything we have. And, and That's not the point of this text. The point of this text is look at the hearts of these people. The hearts of the people are looking at one another. There's great unity that is there between them. One heart, one soul. They're looking at one another and saying, like, that family needs help. That, that widow needs help. These individuals need help. I, I don't care about my earthly stuff. I care about the body of Christ. I, I don't care about the, the treasures of this world. I care about the things of God to where... You, you can have this. And the, 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 there's a heart that's there that just says, like, I, just, I just want to be a blessing to everybody that's around me. I want to be a blessing to the church. I love the people here. I care about them. I don't want anybody to lack anything. And it doesn't mean that we're all to be wealthy. It's just there's people that clearly were in need here. So what did they do? They just take it, lay it at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. I think of a time for me where I was arriving in, in, in South Sudan and I got off the plane on this dirt runway and, and I, I, I saw starvation like I had never seen before. When you think of like the 80s and, and what took place in Ethiopia and the pictures of, of that and then singing the song we are the world and you know the, the all that we saw during the 80s some of you guys weren't alive but we, we watched it take place and 
when I was there, it, it was worse than anything I had ever seen on TV. I think of this, this village, Tonge, and just seeing an area where, where they were losing 40 people a day to starvation. I could picture it in my mind, going from hut to hut and seeing people laying there, and, and I could see just every bone in their body, flies covering their faces. I, I remember praying for somebody, and, or a doctor, Dr. Morgan Cooper, prayed for somebody, and I'm there laying hands on them, we're praying for them. And, and I remember Dr. Cooper just saying, like, you, you're, you're going to die today. Like, do you know... Jesus, is your faith in Christ? Do you know where you're going to go? And the, the guy said, he, I mean, he's speaking in Dinka and, and they're interpreting and he's saying like, I'm, I'm not going to die. You're here to help me. I'm going to be okay. And the doctor's like, no, you, you are going to die today. I need to make sure that you understand who Christ is and what he's done for you and that your faith is in him. And the guy's like, no, I'm going to be okay. You're here. I'm going to be Okay. And Dr. Morgan said, no, you're not. You're not. I'm here. And w- what I'm bringing you is Christ and the gospel. And the guy prayed to receive Christ as a Savior, and he died that day. And we, we went from hut to hut. We, we saw people die in the first couple hours that we were there. And I watched that the, the, God had blessed us to be able to bring in food. We ended up, it's a long story, but God provided planes of food to be able to come in and to bring food. And, and I, I just, I picture like we sat out by the airstrip and there's thousands of people and we had them sit according to families. And there's all these little circles of families. And we just went and, and shared the gospel with each circle and poured food in for them. And they would, you know, take these little bags of food and that was what was going to sustain them for a good period of time. And we just went from place to place sharing the gospel, all of them. No one could leave till we were done because we were trying to have it be organized. It was like the feeding of the 5,000. And we just went and, and shared the gospel with each group and brought food. But our hearts were in a place of like, we, we, we want to help in whatever way. You see kids that are just totally malnourished and, and, and you have a huge problem taking place in South Sudan and, and s- some of the other regions around there. It's, I read this weekend that there's four countries in which the, the, they said they're seeing starvation come like they haven't seen for decades in that area. And for us here to be able to be in a place of, can God give us an opportunity to help? It, it may not be plain loads of food. It may be. But what can we do? Can we go and serve? And when you, when you see your brothers and sisters in need, it's not like pulling teeth to help. None of us were there thinking like, can't believe i got to give you this. We, it, there was so much joy in saying like, hey, here, how many kids do you have? Okay, well, and just pouring food out for them and saying like, use this. Hearts that are just seeing people in need and saying like, let's, let's serve them. Let's help them. And, and I, I think of being there. I, I was there for weeks and weeks in, in South Sudan serving and, and sharing the gospel at every possible opportunity, showing the Jesus film, going and, and, and ministering the gospel wherever we possibly could and, and not knowing what kind of fruit was going to come from it, but just let's proclaim the gospel. We're bringing 
food, but we're bringing the gospel. The gospel is what they need to hear. And my last trip to Tones a few years back, we, we, we went into this area and there's the guy who is older now. And I hadn't been there since, I don't know, like early 2000s. And, and I, I remember in 1998 when I went there and was there, I stayed in this little compound and I would walk out of the compound and all these little kids would meet me at the gate. They would be all sitting at their gate. And, and they would grab my hand and we would walk throughout the village, just going from place to place, going to the feeding center. And then we'd set up outreaches and we'd share the gospel with these people that were there. And th- this guy said, I'm, I remember you. I was a little kid in... I would wait at the gate and hold your hand and we would walk all throughout the village and you would minister to people and you would share the gospel and I remember you. I, I would go to bed at night and my heart would just be racing. I got to be the first one awake so I'm at the gate so I can meet them when they come out, you know? And, and so I, every single day I was at the gate, first one there to be able to meet you and you would hold my hand and you would walk through and he's like, I got saved when you were sharing the gospel on that trip. Now I've, been training pastors all throughout this region we've set up it was like over a dozen churches that they had set up and he was the main assistant to seven who works in tones and has a church and a hospital and he was just like i was that little kid that was there at the gate just walking with you and you yeah i didn't know i was like okay like you know let's go i'll show you some soccer tricks and we're gonna like you know and i can't do those soccer tricks anymore but we just walked in. God was doing a work and there was joy that was in it as far as these people have great need. How can we help? And yet the Holy Spirit was working to bring people to salvation, working in this region to do a great work. And it was a part of the saints that had given some, saints that have gone some, saints that, that, that were using the gifts that God had given them to proclaim the gospel or to do medical work amazing to see how god works for the church but when you see people in need it's just, what can i do how can i help i don't need these things i love the body of christ how can i serve and you see that taking place nor was there anyone among them who lacked i pray that we would be a congregation that knows who's lacking so we can minister to them. Sometimes you don't even know. Partly is because maybe people don't say, but it also could be because maybe we don't ask. Maybe we don't know each other well enough or serve each other well enough or care for each other in that way. But no one lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And here's this man, Barnabas, and we know of him throughout Scripture as well as far as him serving and ministering, the son of encouragement that's there to... to to minister. And he just says, like, I'll sell it. I'll bring it. What I have, it's, it's yours. Use it however God sees fit. 
You come to this particular place in the church and you look and you think, that's an awesome church to be a part of. Here they are, they're in one accord. There's unity that's there. They're ministering to one another. They're, as we saw in, in the early chapters of Acts, they're, they're reading the word together. They're studying the word together. God's working mightily in, in their hearts. They're loving upon one another. They're taking care of one another. But there's no such thing as a perfect church. There's just not. The, there's weaknesses here at Reverend's Bible Church without a doubt. If you don't think there is, the longer you are here, you'll realize there is. We, we, there's so many areas that we need to grow in as a body. There's so many ways in which we need to be ministering better one to another and caring for one another better and, and, and all kinds of different ways, doing things in a way that would honor Christ better. But the same thing was taking place in the book of Acts as well. And the Holy Spirit enables us to see that here. There's a certain man named Ananias and with Sapphira, his wife, and they sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they, 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 this couple looks and says, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he sold his land and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Like, let's do that too. And so they tell everybody, like, we are going to sell our land and we are going to give all the proceeds to the church. We're going to lay it at the apostles' feet. But what they do is they kept back part of the proceeds. Now, the point of this isn't like you got to give everything. The point of it was there's this great spiritual pride in these people to where they're saying, hey, we, we gave everything. We sold the property for this many thousands of whatever, and, and, and we're giving it all. We're giving it all. But they weren't. They told everybody one thing, but they were lying. Something was taking place within their hearts. They just loved that stuff and said, like, nobody's going to know. Let's, tell, let's look as spiritual as we possibly can. Let's make it so everybody thinks so much of us, but let's, no one will ever know what we sold that property for, and let's just keep back some of it. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll probably talk about us like they did it about Barnabas, but we're going to keep some for ourselves. And so... Peter says to them, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why is it? Satan's filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. You're lying. You kept back part of it. You said one thing. You wanted to appear to everybody to be one way, but you were not. You kept back part of the price of the land for yourself. And while it remained, was it not your own? And after you sold, after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. You, you've lied. It was your own. You didn't have to, I mean... You could have just said, like, I'm, I'm going to give. I, I wish that we could do what Barnabas did. We can't. 
we're not in that place, but we're going to give this percentage of it. But they, they wanted everybody to think, we gave it all. We gave everything. You didn't lie to men. You lied to God. There's a purity there. There's a holiness problem here. Like you, you have the appearance in one way, but it's not the truth. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. You think? Maybe a little bit. The guy dies. You lied. And now you're dead. It's serious what's taking place. I mean, we we look at this and, and we see... The hypocrisy of Ananias was something that God hated. And it's, it's, it's not even that we're to think that he's an unbeliever or that his wife's an unbeliever. There's many solid, solid theologians that say, like, no, we, believe, we think they're believers. But God's disciplining. God's saying, like, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to let that take place within the church. You're dead. And he dies. The young men arose and wrapped him up, called him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in. Talk about being late to church. Um, <laughs> honey, you do so well in comparison. Like you, 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 you look at this, though, and a couple things. Three-hour service makes this seem light, right? Um, but three hours later, she shows up, not knowing what happened, no idea her husband's dead. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Yes. If that took place here, there would be great fear that would come upon all. We read the account here and we see what's taking place and you know that the Holy Spirit cares about what takes place within our hearts. This may seem intense to you and it does to me, but the bottom line is this happened. The Holy Spirit inspired the writer to write this so that we would look at this and say, it's serious. It's possible for us to exaggerate stories and say, like, this is what I'm doing, and this is what life's like, this is all that's occurring, this is all how great I am, this is all that God's doing, and this is all that I've given, and this is what I've done, to be seen by one another, and God just says, like, I hate that. Don't be hypocritical like that. The holiness within our church matters. Sin matters. To be in a place as a congregation where we hate sin and we love righteousness and we desire to please him, it matters. 
it's possible for you to be here this morning and, and you have things in your life that nobody knows about. You have the appearance before your Christian friends or those who are around you. But there's other things in your life that is just gross sin that nobody else knows about. And you think that you can pull it off. You think that you're getting away with it. And yet, God knows. You can lie to men, but you can't lie to the Holy Spirit. He knows what's taking place. And my encouragement to you is look at this. There is seriousness that's here. These two people, husband and wife, die. They get buried that same day, which is what took place during this time. There's no refrigeration. There's nothing like that. These go and they bury them. But there was a seriousness here as far as the sin that has crept into the church. I'll close with this. I pray that us as a congregation would hate sin, that we'd hate it. We need to hate sin. If there's areas of your life in which sin has crept in and nobody knows about it, there's no accountability, there's no repentance, and you think that you're okay and you think you're pulling it off, God knows. And he tells us that he will chasten those that he loves. There's consequences to your sin to where it won't just affect you, it will affect many around you. I pray that the Holy Spirit uses this time to convict those who need to be convicted of those areas and that today would be the day in which repentance occurs. We need to be in a place where we recognize that we're all sinners we, we recognize that we all fall, but we hate the sin and we desire to live in a way that honors him. And I pray that the motivation for that wouldn't be, well, I don't want to breathe my last and have these people bury me on the way out. But the motivation would be the same in which we began the service, and that is that you treasure Christ above all things. You love him more than anything that this world could ever offer. You treasuring Christ above all things makes it so that you love missions and you love prayer and you desire to give and to serve one another. You stir up the gifts that are within you for the edification of the rest of the body. You desire to proclaim the gospel here and abroad. We're in a place where We hate sin because it's an affront on a holy God. We want to please him. We just want to please him. I pray that that would be what takes place within our hearts. We treasure him. But then we read passages like this, and we read and think, but God doesn't mess around with it either. It's not just about appearing one way to people. He knows. He knows. May there be repentance where there's repentance. And to think of the words of God and found in Scripture that where sin abounds, and you may be in a place where sin is abounding right now in your life. Where sin abounds, God says, grace abounds more. That's the best news that any one of us could ever hear. And if you're here this morning just thinking like, ah, 
He's talking to me. Did my wife call him this week? No, she didn't. I think he calls from any of your wives this week or any of your husbands. Bottom line is, many of us may feel that way. Where sin is abounding in your life, God's grace abounds more. If you confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. May today be a day of confession. May today be a day of repentance. May today be a day of making a change of direction. And may we as a church grow in our unity, being one heart, one soul, loving one another, and passionate about proclaiming the good news at every opportunity. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for your word this morning. Powerful passage that we're looking at here in Acts 4 and 5. Pray, Lord, though, that you would use this to affect our lives individually and as a congregation. May we hold very lightly to the things of this world. May we be generous for your work and for your kingdom and for all that you desire to do to proclaim the good news and administer to the body, those that are in need. I pray that within Reverence Bible Church, there would be no one who lacks anything that's a necessity. Not only financially, but in friendships, in care, in feeling loved, being ministered to. May each one of us look for people who need that, who need discipleship, who need someone mentoring them and caring for them. May that take place and may we grow more and more into the kind of church that you're calling us to be, to the most of your glory and to the most of our good. Be glorified now through the praises of your people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.